Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor John Gable delivers the message entitled, Decisions, Decisions. We'll also have music from the Sanctuary Choir. So join us now from Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab. Oh. 
Our first scripture this reading this morning is the familiar Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Terry, thank you. If you have been worshiping with us, you know over the past several months now, we've been walking, reflecting on Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And as we come near the end of the sermon, I think you'll hear in this text today that a tone changes from the teachings that we've heard before. So let's listen together to the word of our, of our Lord, Matthew chapter seven, beginning at the 13th verse. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction and there are many who find it. But the gate is narrow and the road is difficult that leads to life and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoer. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God, and let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, faithful and true, and pray now as we sit beneath its teaching that our hearts and our minds, our ears, our very souls will be open to hearing and receiving, believing, and then living into and out of this truth. All to your honor and glory we pray it through Christ our Lord. Amen. As brilliant as he was, Albert Einstein was also known to be terribly absent-minded. Perhaps it's urban legend, but supposedly one day he called the operator in Princeton, New Jersey, asking where Dr. Einstein lived. Apparently he had forgotten his own address. The story is also told that one day he boarded a train in Princeton and as the conductor came through to punch the various tickets, Dr. Einstein was unable to locate his. So by the time the conductor came to him, he found that Dr. Einstein had pulled all of the pockets out of his jacket and out of his pants. He had dumped his briefcase contents out on the seat beside him, all to no avail. 
The conductor, immediately recognizing this renowned scientist, said, oh, don't worry, Dr. Einstein, I trust you, and then moved on through the coach. When he had finished his work, the conductor came back through the car where Einstein was sitting. Now Einstein was not sitting at all. He was down on his hands and knees searching for this lost ticket. Again, the conductor said to him, please don't worry, professor. I told you before, I trust you. And from that downward position, Einstein looked up and said, young man, this is not a matter of trust. It's a matter of direction. I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> Friends, the train we get on, the expressway we enter, the path of life we choose to follow are all determined by the direction we intend to head and by the destination we intend to reach at the end of our journey. It's a very basic lesson in life that all of us would do well to learn. And the sooner we learn it, the better it will be for us that we cannot get where we want to go by heading in the wrong direction. Simply put, our decisions determine our destinations. This is essentially the point that Jesus is making in this section of his teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. Recall last week when we heard Jesus say, in everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the whole of the law and the prophets. And I commented that that would be a fitting way to conclude any message, any sermon. He could have just said amen at that point and sat down. But instead, he goes on to issue a series of warnings, beginning with this one. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, but the gate is narrow and the road is difficult that leads to life, and there are few who find it. And as he draws near now to the conclusion of this sermon, Jesus is calling his listeners, then and now, to take seriously his teachings. He's calling us to make a decision between two gates, one wide, the other narrow, between two paths, one easy, the other difficult, between two crowds, one the many, the other the few. And he reminds us that the decision we make at the beginning of the journey should be based on one thing and one thing alone. That is the destination we intend to reach at the end. The wide gate, the easy road, the way of the many leads to destruction. And the narrow gate, the difficult road, the less found road, leads to life. And the decision between those two is ours to make. It's always ours to make. Do you recall the conversation Alice had with the cat in Alice in Wonderland? Alice says to the cat, Mr. Cat, please tell me which way I ought to go. And the cat inquires, well, where do you want to go? Alice replies, well, I don't really care. And he answers, then it doesn't really matter. If our, if our destination doesn't really matter to us, then neither does our decision as to which path we will follow, as any path will do. But this decision does matter to us. It should matter to us. 
for it is the destination that matters to us. It's the difference between life in abundance and life in despair, between God's way and the world's way, between life in the presence of God, abundant and eternal, and life not in the presence of God. We've seen this teaching of Jesus throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He lays out for us God's way of living, and he tells us very plainly, this way of life as God intends it, this way of life as one day it will be in the kingdom of heaven. And as we've seen, this way of God's blessing often is at the hands of the world's rejection. It's a way of turning the other cheek, of giving up your coat when you've been asked for your cloak. It's the way of walking the second mile. It's counterintuitive to us of loving our neighbors and praying for, those, or I'm sorry, loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. It is the way of giving and of living that seeks not to be honored and rewarded by others, but solely by our Father in heaven who sees and rewards in secret. It's a way of refusing to worry about earthly things because we have set our heart's desire on the treasures of eternal and heavenly things. It's the way of not judging. It's the way of doing to others only what we would have them do to us. It's the way of following Jesus, come what may, regardless of the cost, simply because we believe that he is the way, the only way, to the only true life we will ever really know. So now after Jesus has told us all of this, this is what we've been studying for these past number of weeks, it only makes sense that as he comes to the end of his sermon, he's going to ask us to make some decisions about all of this. This hasn't been a hard sell he's given to us. There's no hint of arm twisting here. There's no bait and switch. He hasn't made it sound too good to be true, such that we know that it probably isn't. He's been perfectly candid with us. He says the way to destruction is wide and easy, and there are lots of people who go that way. It's well-traveled, but the way to life is narrow and difficult and the road less traveled, and we are called to decide which of those we will take. But this decision entails more than simply choosing which door we want to walk through so that we can claim the prize on the other side. This decision is not the end of the journey. This is the decision that starts us on the journey. This is the decision that sets us off on the way of following Jesus in the life of discipleship. I know some have led us to believe that all one has to do is accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this decision which is made at that opening gate, and once made, we're saved, and then we can live any way that we want to live. Well, that is simply not true. The decision we make at the beginning of the Christian life, this decision we make to enter by the narrow gate, is exactly that and nothing more. It is the beginning of the Christian life. It's our birth into the Christian life, into this relationship with God in Christ. It's unquestionably the, the most important decision we'll ever make in life, and one that has eternal consequences. 
But it's only the first decision in a long series of decisions as we journey this way with him. That first decision starts us down the path of discipleship and what is asked of us to do after that, to use the words of Friedrich Nietzsche, is a long obedience in the same direction. You see, where the decision is made to take Jesus seriously, the way to life is found. In this teaching, Jesus is challenging us, encouraging us, not simply to agree with what he is saying. He's actually calling us to commit ourselves to doing it. It's almost shocking to us as we read in this passage. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Which is to more than suggest that simply nodding our heads in agreement with him is only the first step in discipleship then we actually have to do what he tells us to do, to live as he calls us to live. Or as Yoda says in The Empire Strikes Back, do or do not do, there is no try. You see, the narrow gate is, is not simply saying right words or getting our theology right. It's not just having a correct orthodoxy or joining the right church. It's actually committing ourselves to a way of living, to living a Jesus way. Tony Campola puts it this way, there's a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. Believers believe and disciples do. So Jesus is calling us to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. The difficult road is not an intellectual exercise, not just a, a set of suggestions that we can take or leave. It's an exclusive way of choosing to live our lives in a manner that has been prescribed for us by Jesus. It's the way of discipleship that follows after that initial decision we make as to which gate we want to enter through, which is based solely on the destination we hope to achieve at the end of that journey. The word discipleship, you know, shares the same root word as the word discipline, and for good reason. We're called to be disciples of Jesus because we are being disciplined as his apprentices. Learning every day, day after day, in countless different ways, through countless different experiences, how to live as Jesus lived, how to do what Jesus did. And that way of living is not going to be chosen by the majority. It's going to be chosen by the moral minority because it's a narrow way, it's a hard way, it's the demanding way. But he promises us that it's also a way that leads to life. I know anyone who's ever tried to learn a foreign language or how to play a musical instrument or trained to run a marathon or gone on a diet knows that it's difficult, that there's drudgery there. That's a discipline that we have to put up with. We know that we won't make that decision to do those kinds of things only once, but rather we have to make them over and over again, perhaps each day, whether we're going to follow that discipline or not. And the only reason we stay with those kinds of disciplines is because we want something at the end of it. 
A woman rushed up to the famed violinist Fritz Kreisler after a concert once and said, oh, I would give my life to play the violin as beautifully as you do. And he answered, I did. You see, being a disciple of Jesus may have a starting point, but it's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision, a thousand times a day decision, not only to start on this journey of walking with him, but then staying on it. And then making the decision when we get off course, as invariably we will, we get distracted by some amusement that calls us to step off the path. It's the decision to step back onto the path and continue on that journey and to step off and on as many times as is necessary. For those who stick with it, at the end of the road of discipline, is a freedom that others will not enjoy. It's the freedom to speak uh, fluently in another language or to play a musical instrument like Matt or Valentina do. It's the freedom to cross a finish line after running 26.2 miles or the freedom to enter into the abundant life which God offers to us in Christ simply because there has been a long obedience in the same direction. Discipleship to Jesus is not only the way to life, it is a way of life for us. And Jesus calls us to choose this way because he is the way, because he is the truth that leads us to this life. And we find this way only when we choose to take him seriously. Biblical scholar John Stott, I know our adult class has been using one of his books, puts it so succinctly. He says, the Sermon on the Mount is probably the best known part of Jesus' teaching, though it is arguably the least understood and certainly the least obeyed. And why is that? Is it because it is challenging and hard? Well, that should come as no surprise to us. He's told us that all along, that it would be. I believe Chesterton was right when he said Christianity has not been tried and found wanting, it's been found difficult and so not tried. Yet why should that deter us? We've done difficult things before. We've kicked habits, we've fought battles, we've worked hard to improve difficult relationships and marriages. Why would we give up? Or why would we even try living as Jesus calls us to live or not then give our full effort to it? Worse yet, why would we say we're trying when really we're not at all? I know it's disappointing when we don't have the discipline to complete something. We've all been there. Training for a marathon or the self-will to stick with a diet. But how devastating would it be if we don't have the discipline to actually do what we say we believe? If we give up following in the way of the one we dare to call Savior and Lord simply because the road has become difficult or narrow or lonely? How difficult would it be or how disastrous would it be to lose the opportunity to gain the only true life we will ever know simply because we do not have it within us to follow a long obedience in the same direction. So friends, Jesus at this point in the Sermon on the Mount gives us a word of encouragement and of warning, and I hope that we will hear and take to heart what he says to us. 
He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the way is easy, that leads to uh, destruction. And there are many who are going to take that road. But the gate is narrow, and the road is difficult that leads to life, and there are few who find it. That's what he calls us to. He calls us to this road less traveled, to a narrow road, to a difficult road perhaps, to the few found it road, because this is the Jesus road, and it is the only road that leads to true life, the very life we desire. And friends, that becomes very good news to us. And let us pray. Lord, we confess this, this teaching becomes difficult for us because we are so easily distracted. And so we would pray, I would pray, that you would give us the courage and the encouragement ever, that you would give us the faith and even the discipline to help us follow you on this road, knowing that you are our constant companion as you lead us home. These and all things we pray through Christ our Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab Podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked Sermons and select the sermon you wish to hear. While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabprez.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. What good is faith? Pastor John Gable of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. Faith in God is a wonderful gift. At TAB, we desire to be a resource for those who want to grow deep and strong in their relationship with God through teaching, worship, and prayer. But we also know that faith does no one any good if it doesn't help them to become more Christ-like by engaging and serving our neighbors, the community, and the world. TAB has a long history of putting hands and feet to faith through active service and ministry, just as Jesus did. If you'd like to learn more about having an active faith, stop on by or visit us at tabprez.org. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis, invites you to worship Sunday morning at 8 or 10 a.m. If you can't make it in person, tune in to Sunday with Tab, Sunday mornings at 6.30 on WIBC, or find us online at tabprez.org.